Welcome to Accessible Art History, the podcast, the best place for art history lovers or anyone that is curious. My name is Annalisa, and I'm here to share an incredible work with you. Just a quick reminder before we get started. All sources and images will be posted on the Accessible Art History blog. You can find the link in the episode description as well as on our Instagram at accessible.art.history. Now that we have that out of the way, let's get started. I am honestly in shock that this is the finale of season four. We are really cruising through the history of Western art. In this week's episode, I am covering a work by the master of the high Renaissance, Raphael. It's called The School of Athens and was painted between 1509 and 1511. This piece decorates one of the walls of the Pope's private library in the Apostolic Palace in the Vatican. To learn how the School of Athens represents the artistic ideals of the high Renaissance, then keep on listening. Raphael painted the School of Athens using the fresco technique, and it covers an entire wall of the room. He included portraits of the greatest thinkers of the classical age in a single space. It is a bold move because they all lived before the time of Christianity, and this work was commissioned by the papacy. Plato and Aristotle, the most famous and beloved of the group, stand front and center. They are surrounded by their fellow philosophers, mathematician, and statesmen. There are small pockets of groups interacting, making it an active and vivacious scene. You can almost feel the knowledge being spread. And don't worry, I'm going to discuss some of the figures in greater detail later in this episode. This scene takes place in a classical style hall, similar to an ancient basilica. Parts of it are open to the sky, and we can see that it is a beautiful day outside. One of the most interesting details of the space is the inclusion of two statues. The first, located on the left side, is of Apollo. In Greek mythology, he was the god of many things, including music, the sun, prophecy, and archery. On the right-hand side, there is a statue of Athena. She was a patron goddess of warfare and wisdom. It was a bold choice on the part of Raphael for including two pagan gods in the Pope's apartment. Although today the room where the School of Athens is located in the Vatican Museum, they were once a part of the Pope's private apartments. It served as a library, and the three other walls are also covered with frescoes by Raphael. They represent other methods of learning theology, justice, and poetry. It is interesting to note that Raphael painted all these works as a part of the same grouping because theology is paired with ancient, i.e. pagan, philosophy. This is representative of the new wave of learning that was taking place in this rebirth. It could have been seen as a liberal move for this time. These frescoes were commissioned by Pope Julius II. You might recognize his name from last week's episode on Michelangelo's David. Julius II considered himself to be a great patron of the arts and commissioned many artists to redecorate St. Peter's Basilica and the Vatican complex. He wasn't as concerned with his religious duties as he was with expanding the temporal power of the church. In fact, he took his name in honor of the great Roman dictator, Julius Caesar. Regardless of his motivations, we are left with a beautiful and fascinating work of art. Next, I'm going to discuss this work and its artist in more depth. But first, let's take a quick break. Let's dive into the figures themselves. As I've already discussed, the two central figures are Plato and Aristotle. In the Renaissance, and even into the modern era, they are seen as the rock stars of human thought. Their theories and writings form the foundation for scholarship for centuries. This is because they taught their students about heaven, 
Plato, and Earth, Aristotle, who we can see that indicated by their hand gestures. Combined, their theories help us to understand and discuss our own existence. In an homage to his famous fellow artist, Raphael painted Plato as a portrait of Leonardo da Vinci. Check out episode 18 for more info on him. Da Vinci isn't the only famous Renaissance man to be featured by Raphael. Euclid, an ancient mathematician, is shown teaching a group of students. His face is that of Donato Bramante, the architect who helped redesign St. Peter's Basilica. In addition, Heraclitus, another ancient philosopher, bears the face of Michelangelo. Heraclitus was known to be moody and a misanthrope, so it's no surprise that Raphael chose Michelangelo to portray him. Raphael did include himself in this work, but not as an ancient thinker. He appears in contemporary clothing in the corner, perhaps as a student himself. Over the years, art historians have been able to identify some other figures in this work. However, they might be guesses because the figures aren't actually labeled. They are as follows, and I apologize if I mispronounce any of the names because they're really difficult. Anaximander, a philosopher concerned with the origins of the universe, Pythagoras and Archimedes, two mathematicians, Socrates, a moral philosopher and the founder of Western thought, Ashenius, a statesman and orator, Diogenes, a philosopher founder of the Cynic School, Alexander the Great, a king and conqueror, Zeno of Sidon, a philosopher who founded the Stoic School of Thought, Parmenides, an early philosopher, M. Rashud, which is also Latinized as Averaros, he was a Muslim philosopher, not an ancient figure, who lived during the 12th century. Pretty interesting addition given the location in the Pope's palace, and finally, Epicurus, a philosopher focused on leading a happy life. Now that we've analyzed the work, I think it's important to learn a little bit about Raphael himself. Raffaello Sanzio was born in the small central Italian city of Urbino in 1483. His father, Giovanni, was a court painter and poet to the Duke, so it's not surprising that he followed in his footsteps. Sadly, his father died when Raphael was only 11 years old, but this did allow him the opportunity to learn from other central artists, including Perugino. His talent was clear, and by 1508, Pope Julius II invited him to work at the papal court in Rome. His fame quickly spread, and Raphael formed a large workshop. This allowed him to churn out a remarkable number of works. His paintings were in high demand, leading him to be one of the most sought-after artists in the Eternal City. But his illustrious career was cut short when he died young, age only 37. Some reports say that it was due to exhaustion from a night of too much lovemaking, while others indicate that he had been sick for about two weeks prior. Regardless, the city was devastated by his passing. Raphael was buried in the Pantheon, the highest honor Rome could bestow upon him. The period where Raphael worked is now called the High Renaissance. It is often considered the pinnacle of artistic innovation due to the momentous leaps in ideas and experimentation. The High Renaissance combined classical ideals with ideas and new techniques. Compositions were rational, balanced, and symmetrical. Colors weren't muted, but they weren't super bright either. Again, they were balanced and were used to add to the scene. Another element of the High Renaissance was the expansion of the use of a vanishing point. I discussed the mechanics of this in episode 18 on The Last Supper, but in case you haven't had a chance to listen to that one yet, it's essentially the point of the work where all the lines converge. This lends balance and creates a sense of three-dimensionality. Raphael uses this technique to great effect. The vanishing point of this work is above Plato and Aristotle's heads. Not only does he use this to spread out the figures evenly, but Raphael also uses it to, quote, construct the hall where the scene takes place. This creates amazing perspective and makes the work seem even more monumental than it already does. Raphael's School of Athens is an homage to the great classical past. By placing all of these amazing thinkers in the same room, he is reminding the audience of the genius of the past, 
but the details of the High Renaissance and his contemporary's portrait connect it with the genius of his own day. Make sure to tune in next week for the start of Season 5. I'm kicking things off with the Baroque era, featuring Caravaggio and his work, The Calling of St. Matthew. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Accessible Art History, the podcast. Make sure you follow us on Instagram at accessible.art.history for updates and keep an eye out for our next episode. They drop every Monday on your favorite podcast platform.